All right, one, two, three. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I'm just going to open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Amen. All right, let's bow our heads. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be up here, Lord God. I don't take it lightly. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your anointing, which is the burden, removing, yoke-destroying power of God. I thank you that this is a blessed pulpit, Lord God, and I thank you that you allow us to bring the truth because only the truth can make us free. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I don't get to hide behind a mic <laughs> holding one. It's right here. All right. So um, today I just, you know, I was praying on what to uh, minister on, and then um, God just dropped in my spirit testimony, your testimony. So I will be, that's the name of the message, my testimony. Amen. So you can put, you know, PK. Pastor Kim, my friend, whatever, whatever you want to put, so you know whose testimony it is, but that's the title, very basic. Um, so I just want to start out with having you repeat some things after me, okay? All right, so we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. All right. Y'all should know where those scriptures are, but we were at Revelations 12, 11. That's the uh, overcoming by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, more than conquerors, Romans 8. Is that 8 or 6? Get my glasses on. Romans 8, 37. And then where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's 2 Corinthians three seventeen. Okay. So my... Um, Testimony is uh, kind of a big one, but I'm going to try to keep it, you know, in the t in the guidelines of service. No, but um, it's not a topic that a lot of people like to talk about. Um, it's not, you know, really easy for people to share that have had these types of things um, happen to them. And so, um, basically, my testimony is overcoming uh, sexual abuse. And so um, we're all old enough. I know my voice is shaking. I'm like, I'm not crying. I cried enough already. Amen. Oh, I just got to get the nerves down. <laughs> uh, but, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's something that um, we need to be aware of. It's, uh, unfortunately, it's all too common, um, you know, in the world and even in the church. And so... Um, my objective is not to um, put all eyes on me and, oh, I, you know, had this hard life and, you know, but I made it through and all this stuff. Yeah, that happened, but I wanted to inspire you. If any of you have had any of those, um, anything like that happen or you know someone that's happened, maybe it'll give you a greater understanding. Maybe it'll give you um, a way to be able to minister to people, to be able to help them. So this is to help the body of Christ, not to weigh us down. Amen. Because I have been delivered from that many, 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 many years ago. Amen. So step out here. No. 
feels different out here. I'm just going to move around and distract myself. All right. You guys know I'm random anyway. So, um, But just the timeline. Let me just tell you about um, the timeline. So how this all started. So I was born as a poor black child by the river. And <laughs> no, I'm not going back that far. I am black, though, right? On paper, I could, I'm, I'm black, right? You have one drop. But no, I'm just kidding. I don't want to go off too far. But my father is black. He's passed away already, but I'm sure he's still black in heaven. And, you know, my mom is white. <laughs> she, her, that's Elder Patsy is my mom. So um, my mom was married. She got married uh, at a young age. She was like 18. And um, she had two kids. So she had my older brother, Sean, who most of you know. And then um, she had me two years later. So by the time she had me, their marriage had already failed, and they were going through a divorce. And so um, some years later, she met my stepfather and um, ended up marrying him. And I don't remember even how old I was when they got married, but I know I was young. I, was, I think I was like five. And so uh, when that union happened, you know, my brother and I, we were both excited about it. We liked him, you know, he seemed like a good man, a good provider. Um, you know, he was kind of conservative, but that's all right. I mean, that, it was in a good way, I guess, disciplinarian, all those things. But then, um, you know, it seemed like, you know, he cared about my brother and I. But then um, he uh, sexually abused me from a young age for many years. So when I look back at it, I think that um, I feel like it was all planned because I think, you know, the devil is obviously out to kill, steal, and destroy. But I think he probably saw a young mom with two kids, and he thought, okay, well, that one there, she's going to grow up. She's going to grow up someday. She's going to grow up. And, you know, I, I just look back, and I think he was probably calculating the whole time because that's what demonic people do, right? They calculate the whole time. And uh, so, um, but it was kind of a, I mean, like he, I, would, I called him, um, what is it, Jekyll and Hyde, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, because he had two personalities. So the one that wooed my mom, the one that wooed my brother and I was the good man. He was the wage earner. He had a, um, um, he had a really good job, and he also had a, a side business with his, um, with his brothers, which happened to be a liquor store, but it was a business. So he just seemed like that businessman. He was all about education, um, wanting me to do good in school, wanting my brother to do good in school, all those things. Um, but then he had another side. And so um, I loved him, but you know, his two personalities would have been a loving father, and then the other one was an abuser. And so um, it's kind of hard, you know, as a kid, because you're like, wait a minute, what's happening? You know, I love this person. I look at them as my father. And then, you know, this other thing is happening. And so I loved him, but um, if I didn't do what he wanted me to do, then he would pull his love away. And so... Um, it was hard to bear that rejection of, wait a minute, you just were, you know, taking me to the park, or you were just doing this or doing that, and now I don't want to do what you want me to do, and now you're acting like 
I'm a dog or something, you know, like I don't, you don't even love me or anything. So that's kind of hard for a kid. Um, it's hard for anybody, and it's not just children that are abused. So this is a big, big spectrum, but I'm trying to keep it just, you know, focused on this because um, this is my, my part of it, I guess. And so um, how do people, how are people able to do this? You know, how can they, well, they're sick, number one. <laughs> they're being used by Satan, number two. And um, this is all pre-salvation. So my mom, my stepdad, us kids, you know, we weren't saved. That didn't come until later in life. But one thing that they use, that um, abusers use, is manipulation. And so manipulation is the exercise of harmful influence over others. People who are manipulated or who manipulate others attack their mental and emotional sides to get what they want. The person doing the manipulating, called the manipulator, seeks to create an imbalance in power. And so that's exactly what that was. It was, um, he was a parent, I was a child. Uh, it's an imbalance of power. So you have a fear of like, you know, you're taught to obey your parents, even though that's like a twisted thing over there, but it's still kind of like, well, he's my dad. And if I don't, you know, listen, then, you know, maybe he won't let me go to the movies with my friends, or I don't know, maybe he won't let me do this or, or do that. It's just a way of, of control. And so um, he was in bondage. And how many of you know bondage is um, the state of being a slave? So when you're in bondage to something, you're a slave. And so um, even as believers, there can be spiritual bond bondage to where somebody is enslaved to a behavior, something that they've repented of so many times, and they, they don't want to do it, but then they keep going back to it, whether it be addiction or whatever. There's so many things. But the spiritual bondage was just demonic at this time because we did not, uh, none of us knew the Lord. And I say he was in bondage, and I say I was in bondage too because of all the things that tried to attach itself to me uh, during that time. Why I didn't tell right away and just all these things and so um this is to help us to be able to help others but there's some um there's some symptoms that you can that victims experience and so i'm not going to get into you know really all the details but um you know for me it was always a fear like if i told <clears throat> if i told my mom it would break our family apart and it would be my fault because I told. And so um, children take on a lot of uh, weight and pressure. Um, even in divorce, a lot of kids think that it was their fault. And it's like, wait a minute, they weren't the ones married. <laughs> it's, they're the kids. But they internalize those things. And so, um, yeah, it's just, you know, you guys know how much I love kids. So if you see any of these signs, you know, be aware. Be, be aware, even coworkers or somebody that just may need to talk or that you can pray for because um, this isn't the most easiest thing to talk about. So fear can be um, crippling, and Satan will use it as a stronghold over the oppressed. And so here are some of the um, common symptoms experienced by victims of childhood sexual abuse. Which is dis the first one is, um, and there's many others, I just picked a few, but disassociation. And so disassociation is probably the most common defense mechanism the mind employs to protect itself from trauma of sexual assault. It is the escape of the mind from the body in times of extreme stress. 
sense of powerlessness, pain, and suffering. And so for me, as I got older, you know, I'm like, man, this is terrible. This is a terrible situation. This is like disgusting. This person is my, supposed to be my father, you know. But then I was like, well, he is my stepfather, and it's, it's, he's not my blood. So I would say I was disassociating with the fact that we weren't the same blood. But the thing is, is he held that position. And so I shouldn't have been, um, I mean, I was just a young kid, so, but you could see how, you know, those things can, can happen. So I'm trying to disassociate myself with that so that I don't feel so creepy and nasty and, you know, all of that, <clears throat> all of those other things that come with that. Um, so that's a, that's a big thing to try to get yourself out of, you know, that situation. Uh, another thing is self-injurious behavior, cutting, self-mutilation. Um, it's another way survivors of trauma employ in an effort to cope with an experience of severe emotional and physical uh, pain. So for me, I didn't, um, that wasn't part of my thing. I didn't even have any uh, bruises. I didn't have any cuts. I didn't have any noticeable things, you know, of, of abuse, but the abuse was happening inside. It was happening to my spirit, to my heart. And so <clears throat> that's why a lot of people, they didn't really know because I didn't, um, you know, like after the fact, my mom was like, but you're always a happy child and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, mom. I mean, I still love life. I had friends. It was just, this thing was like stuck in this co compartment over here that I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't know how to get out of. And so, um, but that, just because you don't see anything on the outside doesn't mean things, something is happening to somebody on the inside. And so another thing that can happen is um, fear and, anxi and anxiety. So an overactive stress response system is among the most common psychiatric symptoms in survivors of sexual trauma. This is manif manifested with extreme fear, social anxiety, panic attacks, phobias, and hypervigilance. It is as if the body is in a state of constant alert and cannot relax. And without going into details, I would say I know what they're talking about right there. Um, another thing could be nightmares. Another thing um, that victims can, ha can happen to victims is they become, um, you know, substance abuse. They have substance abuse. And then I was even thinking of that because um, I was like, you know, my mom and my brother, we all, obviously we all lived in the same house, but I felt like, how does, man, how come nobody knows anything, you know? Like, I just felt um, alone in the whole thing. But my brother, um, he was, later, as he got older in his early teens, he was dealing with substance abuse. And <clears throat> we've, you know, obviously talked, and he, all my family knows this. I'm not saying anything that they, they don't already know, but... Um, it wasn't like he was being abused too. So his thing was whatever it was. But nonetheless, I'm thinking just because all that was in the household, those spirits were in the household, uh, it made him, um, you know, probably want to check out. And he might not have even known what was wrong. He might not have, you know, like he couldn't really call it, but I'm sure that added to his abuse um, because there was times where favoritism was shown to me and not to him. And so... Um, just thinking about all these things, I think that that, that could have definitely added to him, um, his situation. Uh, another thing that can happen is hypersexualized behavior. So this is uh, 
a common reaction to premature sexual exposure or a traumatic sexual experience. Okay, that's a lot of, a lot of uh, words there. But basically, um, what that means is, you know, people can go all kinds of ways. So you have people that are abused and, you know, I think, I don't need, didn't look at percentages, but, you know, some end up abusing too because they were abused. And so they get trapped in that, that whole thing. And then others, you know, they become promiscuous. And so, um, or they go to drugs or, or the other things that I talked about. Fortunately, I did not become promiscuous, but I thought about it because I basically thought about, you know what, I'm trash anyway, you know, like I'm used, you know. But I'm not, though. But that's what I thought. That's what I thought. All right. Another thing is psychotic-like symptoms, paranoia, hallucinations, um, all of that stuff. And then another one. This I would say this one is probably like one of the biggest ones. Thank you. I said I wasn't going to grow. Uh, thank you. Um, okay. So I think one of the biggest things is, is how we can probably notice, like, especially if you're a child or loved one or family member, they seem like they're, you know, they're doing well, you know them, you see them all the time, and then all of a sudden something changes, like, you know, their moods start to fluctuate, um, they get angry, they're irritable. Um, you know, you, you should really look into that. And I'm not saying if anyone has those symptoms, like, yeah, that's probably happening, God forbid, you know, God forbid it should happen. But we need to be aware of these things, and we need to be aware even for, like, um, you know, people that we come in contact with and, um, you know, if you're a teacher or educator or whatever, like even me in the, in, in the, the kids class, you know, um, I got a great group of kids, but um, you're, you know, you're aware of things, you're aware of, of behavior and not just that, but I mean, you're, you want to help them where you can help them at. You want to meet these kids where they're at. And so um, if it's a lesson as simple as sharing to what's going on with you, why are, you know, you just need to be aware. You, um, of, of what's happening and this isn't like I said this isn't fear-based this is awareness so that we can help the body of Christ because we're going to shame the devil and talk about this because it needs to be it needs to be talked about it can no longer be secret because when these things are secret Satan has power so he puts you in fear to keep it a secret and not say anything but the way you do that is you expose him and you talk about it right amen And then um, many people can say, well, if God is a loving God, why does he allow these things to happen? Well, I would say um, he doesn't allow them to happen, but there's, there's certain things that just happen. Okay, so it could be bloodline curses. I mean, there's evil in the world. This is a fallen world. But even more than that, taking it off of God and just putting it on Satan, like what, he, what has he created? You know, well, he wasn't created to do this, but after he fell... What did he come to do? John 10, 10. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. And so that's what he's doing. But we're saying no more, you know, no more, hands off. And so the thief comes, um, I think I, yeah, John 10, 10. The thief comes not 
but to steal, kill, and to destroy. I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So that's God's purpose, and we see Satan's purpose. So he's always going to, um, you know, try to, to do that. He doesn't care if you're a little baby. He doesn't care if you're, like, about to be 120 and you're 119. <laughs> if he can kill you at 119, he's going to kill you. He really does not care. Um, okay, so fast-forwarding in my testimony, uh, so now we just fast forward all those years, and then it comes time where I uh, conflict comes, um, rage comes, fighting comes, all this stuff happens, and um, it comes down to um, me having to tell her. And still, I told her, um, let me see. Okay. One second. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, hmm. All right. So it's uh, it's really hard to be able to do that for one, because like I said, you don't want your family to be broken up. You don't want to feel like you're the cause of it. But even something that's like, you know, that's just. It's almost like to be addicted to drugs is almost like easier than saying that, man, you know, somebody else used me like a drug. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just kind of, uh, it, there's a lot of stigma with it. So when you, when you tell somebody, uh, there's a stigma attached. So it can make you feel dirty and weak. And you may f- also feel afraid of how others will react. Will they just be disgusted by me? Will they be afraid to be around me? Do they think I'm going to be all, you know, like, well, people that that's happened to, they do it too. You know, are they just going to be weird? And so those are things that you're concerned about. And then will they judge you? Will they look at you differently? Um, it seems easier to downplay what happened and keep it a secret so that you don't have to deal with all those unanswered questions. And so when I, ha- when I told my mom, um, all hell broke loose basically in our house because my stepfather was confronted and, and all of these things. But, um, and again, none of us were saved. I didn't know God, but I felt like, oh my gosh, I don't even admit it if this, because, you know, in Jesus' name, we don't even want this to happen. But I felt like something in my mind was going to snap. I could actually feel something in my brain like tightening up. And, uh, but it didn't, you know, I'm still here. <laughs> uh, so, but, so there's so many things. So then that, that was, that was a rough period. But by the grace of God, um, I was fine. I didn't, you know, I didn't have to, never went to the doctor or anything like that. But I did feel like that. And so, um, you know, there is a road to recovery and, and all these things. Um, and so uh, I would say, and saying everything that I have said with, without saying, you guys, I'm sure you can read be- between the lines, but um, there is a road of recovery for this. There's help. There is um, things that you, you know, can do. And so for me, it was um, getting saved. So it was my salvation was my road to redemption. And so I um, got saved in 1994. Uh, my mom had been going to church uh, with a friend of hers, and then she, every time, this was like, 
you know, where you learn about salvation. <laughs> so it was a, I think it was like a Calvary church or something, but she kept talking to me and my, um, my boyfriend, Pastor Troy at the time, and telling us about the Lord and, you know, you guys need to be saved and this and that. I'm like, what are you talking about saved? Like, I thought my mom was losing it, you know. I really did because none of this made sense. We went to church when we were younger, but it was never about salvation. It was um, just, you know, it was just religion. So I had never heard of it, and I'm, I, yeah, it was just kind of a lot. And so, um, but she kept inviting us to church, and then um, I remember this one day I was driving to work, and I had it on, um, who, who remembers 98.1 smooth jazz? Who remembers that? Amen? Right. Well, I used to listen to that. But on Sundays, they would play gospel in the morning. And so um, I remember driving to work, and I heard this song. And the song just spoke to me, and I was, like, weeping and all this stuff. And so I, when I got to work, I called my mom. And I said, Mom, are you guys going to church tonight? And she said, yeah, we're going. And I said, well, I want to go with you. And so um, fast forward to the church service. So I don't even remember what he preached about. I just remember the, the altar call. And so he was, uh, you know, calling people up and... My heart was pounding kind of like it is now, <laughs> more, more than. But um, it was uh, my mom, Pastor Troy, and myself. And uh, I was like, man, I got to go up there. I got to go up there. And it wasn't because of, you know, it, I don't know. I just like, I just got to go up there, man. I got some stuff going on. And so um, finally, I, I looked over to, to Troy and I said, to Pastor Troy, I said, will you go with me? And he was like, Okay, because he's like, you know, he had his own relationship still and all that. But he went up with me. But God is, is gracious because when we both went up to the altar, he got touched too. And so I just remember just weeping and weeping and weeping. And it was like stuff was just falling off. And um, But then, you know, when, you, when that happens, you still need to be, um, you still need help. You still, still need to go and, and be like, okay, well, how do I navigate through this? Like, what do I do now? So I said the prayer. I feel great. You know, my eyes look like Garfield. I'm all puffy and, and you know, stuffy nose and all this stuff. But what happens after this? And um, so the first thing is that um, Psalm, uh, in Psalm 34, verses 4 through 8, you can put that up. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. And they, um, they looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. And so how many did I say? Oh, is that all the way through eight? Okay. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. And then I think, um, let's see, the angel of the Lord encamped around about them that deliver him, and that fear him and deliver him. Okay. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. I think that's good for now. Yeah. Okay. So um, he delivered me from my fear. So when you, when you get saved, as you all know, because I'm believing you all have already come to that point in your life. But um, so I didn't run out and tell everybody my life. I didn't even, I didn't even tell my kids for, for years. I, I vowed I would never tell my kids. But I said, you know what? God is going to use this someday, and I'm not having my kids hear about what happened to me from, like, a congregant or something. They're going to hear it from me when I feel, you know, they're old enough to be able to handle it. Um, so that was a weight off. And so he does, God will um, deliver you. And so I didn't have to be in fear anymore. 
um, you know, the dreams and all of that kind of stuff stopped. And then I would say in the, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and um, blessed is a man that trusts in him. Well, um, you know, Pastor Troy and I, we were living in sin. We were not saved. We didn't know it was sin. You guys know that probably from many things of what he's preached about. But um, the awesome thing with him is that uh, I had actually even shared with him um, before um, we even got saved. I had shared with him with what happened. And then that's where the, the fear of like, oh, man, is he going to judge me? Is he going to want to break up? Is he going to want to do this and that? But it's really him and the way that he handled it um, that was just remarkable. And I'm like, wow, God, you gave me this man that like didn't do any of that. Didn't look at me sideways, not one bit, didn't ask me no questions, didn't ask me for details, didn't ask me nothing. He just loved me. And so God used that. And that's why we're still, you know, together to this day. So we got saved at the same time, um, which is a big part of our journey because you have that support system that you need. And so I say, oh, I, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Uh, and then also, um, if we can look at John uh, 8.36. I should just put my... If the Son makes you free, then you shall be free indeed. So we are free indeed. So there is a process after you, um, you know, you get delivered from something, and I believe you can only be healed through Jesus. So I know there's a lot of uh, self-help. There's a lot of counselors and things that you can go to. Um, even just in researching this, it's like, take a yoga class. I'm like, lady... Yoga ain't going to get it. You know, we need Jesus. You need Jesus to bring healing to you. That is so on the surface, right? And so soul. You better meditate on the blood and what God has done for you um, to bring that change. But um, so the first thing, you know, you, you go through all of these things. And so then I would say, you know, if you're not saved, get saved. Or like Pastor Troy says, if I wasn't saved, I'd get saved. <laughs> And uh, because God really is truly the one that helps you through all of these things. And then um, also the big word, forgive. You have to forgive. It doesn't matter how big of a monster they were. You have got to forgive because if you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive. And so, but there's a way to navigate through that. There's a way to learn how do I do that. And you can be, um, you know, counseled through that, taught through that. The word will help you to, uh, will help you to forgive. And so um, I remember one um, experience that I had when we were, um, well, actually two. So somewhere in the timeline, we had Deja, and I just remember uh, changing her diaper. And I was like, why did I have a girl? Why did I have a girl? You know, and then being so upset, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to protect her. I'm going to have to do this and do that. But then it was like, no, God is like, no, I'm here. And, you know, that's not happening to her. And so as you learn you know how to pray, you know what to say, you know, and then you're watchful and mindful and you don't just let your kids go with whoever you ha you need to know who your kids are with. So, um, I had already thought, I had already thought that I had forgiven my dad and, um, but it was one particular service when we were, um, in San Diego with, um, our pastor, Pastor Miller. And so he did this altar call and a lot of times he would give topics of what the altar call was for. And so this happened to be for unforgiveness. And he said, if you have any um, unforgiveness in your heart, come down and forgive. And I'm sitting in my seat and I'm like, I already did that. I already forgave him, you know, but I'm still feeling my heart tremble inside. So I'm thinking, shoot, you know, and then he said, um, 
you better come down here if you don't want it to happen to your kids too. I was like, woo. So I got up and I went down and before I could even totally get to the altar, he just like pointed at me and said some stuff and I just was slain in the spirit and I was like, man, he must have, he, he must have seen something and knew without even having to say. And so um, I wanted to make sure, my point in saying that is, I wanted to make sure that I really had forgiven my stepfather. So that's why I went down and I felt led by the Holy Spirit to do it. So if you're in a situation um, dealing with, you know, um, unforgiveness and you need to forgive, I would say if you know in your heart that you have truly forgiven um, and you've, you know, you've asked God and you've told God that you've forgiven anyone that has wronged you, well, if their name comes up, and you feel a certain kind of way, then um, if you forgave by faith, don't take on that soulish thing. That's a tagline that Satan is trying to give you to put back on you so that you'll say, oh, well, I guess I didn't forgive. And then the anger and, you know, whatever, all that can come up. But no, if you forgive and you believe in your heart that you did, you ask God to change your soul, ask him to change your, your mind and your will and your emotions when you are thinking of this person or the situation, and um, he will do that. And so when this person's name, my stepfather's name comes up, nothing, no emotions, no nothing. I know that I have forgiven him. Um, a lot of what happened to me has been erased from my memory. I know that it happened, but I don't try to meditate. And even on this, I had to be careful that I didn't go back to try to think of, you know, no, that's not necessary. I know what happened to me. And so um, that's the strength of the Lord, though, you know, coming upon you. Um, so... I just encourage you with that. If you need to forgive anyone for anything, do it so that you can make it into heaven because you need to be forgiven. Um, and then also, let's see, if we can look at uh, Luke 6.37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. So that's the word on it. That's Luke 6.37. And then also... Um, you know, as you go, are going in your, your walk with God and, and you're learning more things, it's kind of like we want to see payback, right? We want to see people get what's, what's due to them, what we think is due to them. But you have to realize God is a righteous judge. And so everything he does is right. God is always good. He's always good. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what it looks like. God is always good. Do not. Amen. So with that, if we can look at um, Psalm 89, 14, that God is our righteous judge. So it says, justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. So that is God. He is a just God. So what does that mean? That means he's going to do right by you. He's going to do right by you and your decisions. He's going to do right uh, by the decisions of the perpetrator or, you know, the abuser or whoever it is. If they don't repent, they're going to have to deal with God. And so um, he will take care of them. He will. He is a righteous judge. He does love his children. He doesn't want any of these things to happen. Um, but I do believe that all things work together for good for those that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. And who knows? I probably, you know, I mean, I just look at it as a... a it's, it's something that I can maybe help other people with that have been through the same. That's what a testimony is. You overcome something, and then you're able to help other people overcome as well. Uh, let's see. And so um, also what I meditated on was God's um, promises to me. This is 
still in the road of recovery. So if we can look at um, 2 Samuel 22, verses 48 through 49. It says, He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He brings down the nations under me and delivers me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. And so violence isn't just something you see on the news. Violence is someone, you know, violating you and, and it, it, violating you, harming you in any way. That's how I look at violence. And God tells us there what he, um, what he does with it. And even in the King James Version, it says that he has delivered me from the violent man. And I'm like, wow, God, literally, you did deliver me from the violent man. And then um, I would say another thing that God did in, in the road to recovery was he took the ugliness of my life and he turned it into beauty. And so if we can look at Isaiah 61.3 in the King James. So it says, to appoint unto that morn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, uh, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So God gets all the glory for this. You know, I didn't fix myself. He, he did. And so um, I didn't get, wasn't in fear to have children. I have three. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, it's just, he, he will just continue to work and help you um, in your life. And, um, okay, what else did he do? Well, he removed uh, the shame. He removed the shame, as I discussed, you know, earlier, what happens to a lot of um, victims who are, I'm say they're now victors, right? And be victors in Jesus' name. But he'll take that shame, he'll take that shame away. So if we can look at Isaiah 61, 7. For your shame you shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. So those that have had to endure, which we all have, and to be able to make it to the cross, we all endured something. He's going to give you double for your trouble, right? Amen? Amen. He's going to give you double for your trouble. Okay, and then... Um, in the New Living Translation, it just says, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy uh, a double share of honor. So who wants a double portion? I do. I want that in everything. You know, I don't need it in my meals, but sometimes, hey, it's good, right? <laughs> so you like that double portion. And then um, another thing that happened and can happen for those, uh, for others as well, is in the road to recovery, he gave me courage. So he gave me courage, which we're going to look at Psalm 23.4. In the King James, which says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so when you have God, I mean, it's like, what? You old little thing, you can't do anything to me, you know? And then also, another way to look at it is you've been reborn. So when you were reborn, you were reborn with all things new. God doesn't see you with any of that those things he knows you know he knows our beginning from the end and all of that but um you really need to see yourself as new even if you don't feel new right because it's all in your perception like pastor says uh, perception is reality so you want to uh do that and so um another good scripture for this is um to to have courage is joshua 1 9 we can look at that 
have I not commanded thee to be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee. I'm saying wherever you go, <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> thou goest. Amen. So God is with you. He is with you wherever you go. And um, so this is, uh, man, God is just awesome. And I hope that this was not a downer, but a, a lifter for you. I know it's a little bit um, earlier than, you know, Pastor Choi. But um, you know what? It's, it's my testimony. So I would just say, again to all of us that we all have overcome so how about if i say it and then you repeat it again because it's so powerful all right so we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony amen so we're all overcomers we're more than conquerors we're anointed we're appointed to be where we are and doing what we're doing you know we're burden removers yoke destroying people we have the power of God and um, we're problem solvers and so I, I uh, hope that this could bring encouragement to you it could bring healing if it needs to bring healing whatever it needs um, to do I pray that that is what um, has been done for you and so um, at this time we'll just go ahead and uh, close in prayer and uh, give a, a invitation for those that want to get to know the same Jesus that I know today. Amen? Amen. All right. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your anointing, for your power, Lord God. I thank you for your spirit as it is liberty and freedom, Lord God. And thank you for the freedom to be able to share, the freedom to um, not be in fear, to not be worried, to not be concerned about any kind of judgment or any of that, Lord God, because you are my judge. You are Elroy, and you see everything, Lord. I just thank you, Father God, um, for this time. I, I pray that your word would be hidden in our hearts, that we wouldn't sin against you, and that we would continue to seek you every day, Lord God. And for those that may be watching or even in here in service that don't know you, Lord God, I just want to offer an opportunity for them to get to know you. And so, um, for those that may not watching, just repeat after me, uh, dear, Jesus, dear Jesus, please forgive me. I'm sorry for the things that I have done. I repent of those sins. I pray for you, Holy Spirit, to come into my heart and fill me with your presence and the power and fire of your word. I pray for uh, healing, spiritual, physical, and emotional healing as we receive Christ today as our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.